0: Chapter 2, and we're going to be looking at verses 8 to 10, probably three of uh, some of the most important verses in the Bible. So we definitely want to be, this is, you know, this is one of those passages, you you want to be an expert on this passage, because if you can't figure out this passage, you really don't know the answer to what must I do to be saved, okay? Uh, But Ephesians 2, 8 to 10, as you're turning there, we'll go to the Lord in prayer one more time, that God anoints uh, me to preach his word today. Father, in Jesus' precious name, I just thank you, Lord, that the, the people that are here, uh, they're not here because of the beautiful building. Um, they're not here because of all the uh, expensive programs that we have, but they're here because they, they love you and they love your word. And so I pray, Lord, that, uh, that they would not be disappointed today they came to hear your word proclaimed. And uh, and I, I just pray, Lord, that your perfect word would be proclaimed today uh, by this imperfect vessel. And so I pray, Lord, that uh, you'd cancel the man, as John said, that you would anoint me with your spirit to proclaim your truth so that um, I would not lead anyone astray. Give each and every one of us, Lord, to test whatever they hear from this pulpit, whatever they see on television or hear on the radio or see on the computer, that we would test all things, Lord, with your word because your word is tested. Your word is perfect. And so I pray that we would judge all things by your word, that it would be the final authority for us in our beliefs and our behavior. I pray, Lord, that uh, you'd open hearts and minds to receive truth from your word and empower us by your spirit to apply these truths to our lives so that we could be all that you called us to be. I pray that that we would really understand uh, your salvation from this passage today so that we can have the assurance that we are saved, but also so that we could share others and give others the good news, and lead others to Christ. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. Okay, so Ephesians chapter 2, and uh, verses 8 through 10. Now remember in this passage, Paul talked about, starting at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, he started out this book, by going over the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places that we have in Christ. Okay? And that's, you know, it's hard to think about your spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ when we got so many toys here in America. we got so many goodies. You know? I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. When I'm eating chocolate cake, I'm not thinking about my spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. Um. But things could get real bad in the near future. Okay? That cake might be gone. That car might be gone. That job might be gone. Our churches might be gone. We might be worshiping in the homes. And um, and so we need to focus on, learn to focus on right now who you are in Christ, what spiritual blessings you have in the heavenly places, because that's the stuff that can't be taken from you. Everything on earth, that could be taken from you. And um, so Paul talked about that, Then he prayed that God would give wisdom and knowledge to the Ephesians. And then in uh, verses 1 to 3 of Ephesians 2, he talked about who we once were. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, controlled by the evil world system and by Satan's will. We were sons of disobedience, Controlled by the lust of the flesh and the desires of the flesh and of the mind, we were children of wrath. We were under God's anger because God's anger, God's wrath, God always has wrath against sin. And we were slaves to sin. Well, what did God do? Verses 4 to 6, he made us alive with Christ. If you trust in Jesus for salvation, the true Jesus of the Bible um, you are alive, you were spiritually dead, you were separated from fellowship with God and now you're spiritually alive. You're back in fellowship with God, you're regenerated, you're born again. He made us alive with Christ and seated us in the heavenly places with Christ. Now when you're at work and you know you might try you know you're trying to give hundred percent, but you, you didn't quite get it and the boss is chewing you out you probably don't feel like you're seated in the heavenly places with Christ at that point. People make fun of you for sharing Jesus and um, for not doing the bad stuff they want you to do, uh, uh, but for studying your Bible when you get a break at work or whatever. You sure don't feel like you're, you're seated in heavenly places with Christ. But it's like Paul said, let God be true, And every man a liar. You got to decide which side you're on. You got to decide who you believe. Do you look through the world through the lenses of the powerful people, the evil world system? Or do you look at reality through the eyes of Christ and His Word? And so, what did God do? He made us alive with Christ. We trusted in Jesus for salvation. And he seated us in the heavenly places with Christ. Now, we, we're on a mission. We're behind enemy lines. But vi- the victory has been guaranteed. We have victory through Jesus. Okay? And, um, you know, there's a lot of talk now in this country where they want to, you know, force people to get vaccines. And, you know, some some of us are going to choose to get the vaccines. Some of us are going to choose not to. But I don't know... It's just not America to force people to get vaccines, but they want to get vaccine passports, okay? And uh, they can make your life miserable. Can't hold a job. Can't travel. Can't do this. Can't do that. If you don't get your vaccine passport, Um, let me tell you something here. Take the vaccine passport, throw it in the garbage can. What I'm, what I'm here. The reason why I'm behind this pulpit. Is because of your victory passport.
1: The whole reason
0: why I'm here is to talk about your uh, vicarious atonement passport. It means that Jesus died for your sins. He died in your place, and so you know, one way or not, we're going either we're going to just die of old age, nice peaceful life, and then go into the presence of King Jesus. Or things are going to get really rough here and they're going to whoop on us and beat us and maybe kill us, take our jobs away, split up our families, do all kinds of horrible stuff, but you're still going to end up in the arms of Jesus. Okay? So as, as your pastor, I'm not, I'm not here to tell you, go, go get the vaccine passport. I'm here to tell you, get your victory passport from Jesus. Get your vicarious atonement passport from King Jesus. You need a passport to get into heaven. It's called righteousness. And we don't have that righteousness in our own strength. It's the righteousness of Jesus. Okay? And, um, by the way, I don't know how that message could be offensive to anybody, but what I said just then has probably got more people locked up. You're more likely to, throughout the history of mankind, you're probably more likely to not get locked up for murder than you are for preaching the gospel. We just had it so good in America, we just don't realize that. But, um, I mean, there were times when we'd imprison people and burn them at the stake um, for printing Bibles in the language of the people. And by the way, that was done under the, under the banner of Christianity. But I did it throughout the history of the, the Roman Catholic Church, And uh, so what did God do? God made us alive with Christ. Jesus is our victory passport to heaven. Um, Why God saved us? He saved us. Yes, he loves us. But he saved us to display his grace, his unmerited favor, his charity. He, He saved us to display his grace throughout the ages to come. Okay? God created us for his glory. And um, and God saves us for his glory. Now, if I'm going around for my own glory all the time, and all I care about is me, okay, that's bad. You know why that's bad? Because I'm not God. But when God is in it for his glory, that's just because that's God being God. Okay? And, um, and so why God saved us? He saved us to display his grace throughout the ages to come. Now, and the angels are going to look at us and say, how did this guy, how did this Phil Fernandez get to heaven? He was messed up. Because, you know, the angels, man, they just, one thing wrong, boom, they're toast. Okay? With us, we inherited a fallen nature. We sinned because of that. And yet there is Redemption. There is grace, there is mercy, there is salvation. And um, and so God saved us to display his grace throughout the ages to come. Now we're going to see in verses 8 and 9 of Ephesians chapter 2 how God saved us. We see it's by grace through faith, and that faith is in Jesus. It's it's not of ourselves, it's not works. we don't earn it, it's a free gift. And then, if you are saved, who we are now. And I don't know about you, I like lifting weights. I can't lift what I used to lift. I get sore all over the place, man. Sometimes I don't even know if I'm going to be able to get out of bed. I don't feel like God's poem. I don't feel like God's work of art. But God, the Lord, tells us in his word, if you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, you're God's work of art. Now, the Mona Lisa, that looks pretty good. I mean, that's a really good painting, okay? You don't have to be an art expert to figure that out. Now, some of the modern art, yeah, you've got to be a mo- uh, an art expert to, to, to call it good, but I don't know. If, if it's so good, why does it take taxpayers' money to fund that artwork? If it's that good, people are going to want to buy it. So I think it might not be as, as good as they think. But with the Mona Lisa, what a beautiful piece of art, but it didn't always look that way. You know who, who is it? Michelangelo, or is it the, the paint, or is it Leonardo da Vinci? So some Italians excel so much in life, it's hard to <laughs> figure out which guy's which. I know it wasn't Marco Polo though. He's, <laughs> they don't laugh at him. He brought us the spaghetti, from, but um, whatever the case, um, when a guy is working on the painting, it doesn't look that great, but it's his work of art. And You got to wait till, you, till it's complete to see how beautiful it is. You know, I look at some of you. You look at me and you think, "Work of art." That doesn't come to my mind, but that's what God's word says. Well, believe me, you know. Look at me. You know. Look at me hundred years from now, and you'll say, "Yeah, that's a work of art." And I'll look at you hundred years from now. That's a work of art. But till then, my God's still working on me. My God's still working on you. Okay, and uh, we're God's poem, God's work of art, new creations in Christ created for good works. So let's take a closer look at verses 8 through 10. Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10. For by grace, that's by God's grace, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And we know from reading Paul and reading the Gospel of John and reading the rest of the New Testament, that faith is in Jesus. Okay. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Okay? And so... We're told here in verse 8 Okay, we're told here in verse 8 that we're we're saved by God's grace alone, through faith alone and, and Jesus alone. It's not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. So what is grace? Grace The Greek word is charis. We get our word um, charity from it. Okay? Charity is an undeserved gift. Okay? Um, You know, when, when poor people receive charity from the church, they understand it's an undeserved gift. And they're usually very grateful. When the government does it, takes money by force, people get the entitlement mentality. And it actually causes more problems than it solves. But God's grace, God's charity, it's an undeserved gift.
1: Um, Let me me tell you,
0: if you think you deserve to go to heaven, you are still hellbound. Okay? If you think you deserve to go to heaven, you are still hellbound. We are saved by God's grace. You've got to understand that. As your pastor, it's my hope and prayer that every one of us, when we go to see Jesus, when we stand there in judgment, that we will understand, I could not save myself. I don't deserve to go to heaven. It's not by works. If we get what we deserve, you know, all all of us in one way or another have worked hard in our lives. Okay? Okay? Even if you're lazy, you worked hard at being lazy, okay? But we've all worked hard. And guess what we deserve for the work we did while on planet Earth? We get hell, the eternal lake of fire. That's what we deserve. If you don't understand that, you're not going to understand salvation is a gift. It's by God's grace. You don't deserve it. We deserve the flames of hell, okay? And... um, but you've got to understand, if you think you deserve to go to heaven, you are still hellbound. You've got to acknowledge that we cannot save ourselves by our works. Paul says that we are saved by God's grace. Okay? How do we receive God's grace? We receive God's grace through faith. And, of course, the Scriptures makes it clear that's through faith in Jesus. Uh, the, the word in the Greek is pistis, okay? Uh, it means to acknowledge, trust in, rely upon, and depend upon. Biblical faith, okay, is not mere mental assent. Do you realize that there are people who are going to burn in hell forever, who have John 3.16 memorized. There are people who are going to burn in heaven that know that Jesus is God, the second person of the Trinity, that know that he died on the cross for their sins, that know that he rose from the dead, that know that he's coming back. But if they say, well, I know that, but I still want to live for myself, so I'm not going to trust in him for salvation. Okay? See, when we pledge allegiance to the flag... Okay, we were saying, I'm going to be a loyal American who's going to stand up for the Constitution and stand up for people's rights and stand up for America. It's the same when you trust in Jesus for salvation. When you're trusting in Jesus for salvation, it's not mere mental assent. You're pledging your allegiance uh, to Jesus. Uh, When you put your faith uh, in Jesus and you trust in him for salvation... It's the kind of faith that produces good works in your life. Okay? We're saved by God's grace apart from works, but true saving grace not only saves, it produces good works. And so saving faith is a a faith that transforms lives and produces good works. Look at John chapter 3. Let me say this too. Paul mentions throughout the scriptures, he's already mentioned it in Ephesians, that our faith has to be placed in Jesus. So keep in mind what Paul is not saying. He's not saying, if you got faith, if you just believe, okay, you're going to heaven. Faith is only as powerful as the object of that faith. Okay? Faith is only as powerful as the object of that faith. The only merit of faith is the object of the faith. It's not the faith itself. That's why the health, wealth, and prosperity heretics miss it. They're really proclaiming faith in their own faith rather than faith in Jesus. Okay? Um, And so keep in mind, when Paul says we're saved by God's grace alone through faith alone, he means in Jesus alone alone. Look at John three sixteen to 18. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that's the Lord Jesus, that whoever believes in him, pastuo, whoever believes in him, has faith in him, should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Okay? Paul's saying the same thing in different words. God loved the world so much, rather than just allowing us to go to heaven, which is what we've earned, instead, He sent His beloved Son, His only begotten Son, that whoever trusts in Him for salvation would not spiritually die, but would receive eternal life. God didn't send Jesus in the world to condemn us. You know, if God wanted to condemn us, He didn't have to do anything. We condemned ourselves. We're already condemned. So He didn't send Jesus to condemn us. He sent Jesus to save, to save us. And so that if you trust in Jesus for salvation, the biblical view of belief, now James does talk about a watered-down belief. That kind of faith, faith without works is dead. But true, robust, biblical saving faith is a commitment and a reliance upon the Lord Jesus and a dependence upon him that through the power of the Holy Spirit transforms lives. But whoever believed, trust in Jesus, not with superficial faith like those who departed in John chapter 6, those disciples who left Jesus, uh, but a robust, robust biblical saving faith. Those who trust in him are not condemned. But if you don't trust in Jesus, you're condemned already. Why? Because you haven't believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. There's only one. It's not like God said, look, there's the door number two. You can trust in Jesus for salvation, you don't like that, we got another option. There is no other option. There's no other way God could save us without the ultimately worthy substitute sacrifice. God the Son had to become a man and die on the cross for our sins and take our punishment for us. God is so just, he cannot forgive sin unless it's been paid for in full. And, uh, Praise God that He sent His Son to pay the price for our sins. Um, look further at John six forty seven. John six forty seven. Jesus says this: "Most assuredly, you know, truly, truly, I say to you." John six forty seven. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. That was one of the reasons that why I left the Catholic Church, like Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. It said, you have been saved past tense. Okay? Here, if you trust in Jesus, if you believe in him, you already have eternal life. Catholicism teaches that you receive saving graces when you get baptized. Even if you're an infant, you don't understand the gospel message. But... You lose saving graces if you commit a mortal sin. Then you got to confess and get it back. So you're not really saved, past tense. You're not really born again in the fullest sense until you die with saving graces. Then you go to purgatory is what they, they teach. That's not what the gospel teaches. Jesus says, he who believes in me has everlasting life. If you're trusting in Jesus right now, Trusting in him alone for salvation, you already have eternal life. You are already saved. You have already passed out of death into life, John 5, 24 and 25. Uh, Look at um, 1 John. Here we go back towards the book of Revelation, 1 John chapter 5. in verse 5. Who is he who overcomes the world? notice it doesn't say who is he who overcomes the world but the guy who makes the most money. No, Jesus isn't talking about Bill Gates or Elon Musk or George Soros. Okay? Who is he who overcomes the world but who has the most political power? No. Not talking about president of the United States or leaders of other countries or the head of the United Nations. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Okay? And so salvation is by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus alone. Look at Romans, Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. And verse. Look at verses 20. Well, let's go. Let's run through it. Look at Romans 3, verse 10. As it is written, Paul says, as it is written, and he quotes from the Old Testament, there is none righteous, no, not one. How many righteous? None. Um, then look at verses 20 through 23. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, in God's sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. So the law was never intended to save you. The The law was intended to show you God's holy standards and your inability to keep them, to obey God from the heart, Therefore, the law was a tutor to lead you to Christ by showing you that you're a sinner and you need a Savior. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in God's sight, for, the, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the Old Testament taught about it. What is this righteousness apart from the law? Verse 22, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now he talks about being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Jesus Jesus redeemed us. He paid the price for us by dying on the cross. Uh, for our sins. And, um, and so we are saved uh, by God's grace alone through faith alone. Now let me tell you, every, every human being, we all have faith. Okay? Uh, the Pharisees had great faith. But they had faith in their own righteousness to get them to heaven. So you could put your faith In your own faith, your own righteousness, you're not getting to heaven. Uh, You can put your faith in Buddha, you're not getting to heaven. Muhammad or the Quran, you're not getting to heaven. Gandhi, Hindu scriptures, you're not getting to heaven. Um, You can put your faith in your own good works, you're not getting to heaven. I hope you love Trinity Bible Fellowship, but your church doesn't save you. Jesus does, okay, and um, um, and so it's through faith in Jesus, as Paul said in, in uh, Ephesians two eight. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. We cannot earn salvation. We all deserve hell. Again, if you think you deserve you to. If you think you deserve to go to heaven, you are still hellbound. You have to acknowledge, I am a sinner, I cannot save myself, and I need to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ who died on the cross for my sins and then rose from the dead to conquer death for me. Um, uh, look at Romans 11, verse 6. Romans 11, verse 6. talking about salvation and God choosing those who are going to be saved by his grace. Romans 11, verse 6. Romans 11, verse 6, he says, And if by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. So, I mean, he goes way out of his way. He shows, look, we're either saved by works and we earn it, or it's by grace. And then he tells us it's by grace, so it's not by works. Now, it doesn't mean works are not important, but it means that works are the result of salvation, not the cause of salvation. Okay? We have to come to God on bended knee. We have to be like that repentant sinner who acknowledges, God, have mercy on me. I deserve hell, forgive me. And we find forgiveness at the foot of the cross, the cross of of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, how God saved us? By grace, by his unmerited favor through faith. We trust in and rely on Jesus and depend on Jesus. We don't trust in ourselves for salvation. So, this is not of ourselves or our works. We cannot earn salvation. We deserve hell. It is a gift. So, back in Ephesians 2 and verse 9, not of works, lest anyone should boast. The word for gift is doron, and it means a free gift or a present. It is given for nothing. There's nothing you could do to earn your salvation. It is a free gift, okay? And uh, some of us have too much pride. We think, no, I got to do something. No, I got to do something. Let me tell you, no, no. You you can make a billion dollars and give it all to the poor. You can make a billion dollars and donate it all uh, to Christian missions. You could feed the hungry. It doesn't matter what you do. You still deserve the flames of hell. Even when we do good stuff, the motives aren't 100% good. Okay? We do not have the ability to obey God from the heart until we trust in Jesus for salvation and we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Our salvation is not of works, and we have no reason to boast. Our salvation is undeserved. Therefore, we should only boast in the Lord. And there's all kinds of heresies out there. Universalism, everybody's saved. No. Legalism, you've got to save yourself by your works. No. Uh, There are people that are that, uh, that look to uh, an organization to save them or a church to save them. No, salvation is found in the Lord Jesus and in him alone. Now, you might look at this passage and say, well, then we should not be boastful people. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith and out of yourselves the gift of God, not as a result of works, that no one should boast. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, great, Yeah, you're not supposed to be, you know, going up to heaven singing Frank Sinatra's song, I Did It My Way, okay? But don't let that passage make you think that you should not be a boastful person. Uh, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 17. 2 Corinthians. Chapter 10 and verse 17, the New King James Version says, but he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. It's the same word that's translated boast. So, some, so New American Standard says, but he who boasts, let him boast in the Lord. So don't ever think, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not supposed to be a boastful person. You ought to be bragging all the time. You ought to be the most boastful person on the planet Earth. It's just you don't boast in yourself. When's the last time you bragged about Jesus? When's the last time you boasted about your king? Your savior. Your God. We ought ought to, you know, Israel, God blessed them to be a blessing to all nations. They were supposed to be a light to the Gentiles. And you know, one of the things they did worst, besides being unfaithful, to Yahweh, the God of Israel? They didn't boast about him enough. They just thought, well, we're the chosen nation, just let everybody else go to hell. I- I'm telling you, there are people, there are Americans that brag more about their favorite bar or their favorite football team um, than Americans, than the average American brags about Jesus. Okay? Okay? But he who boasts, let him boast in the Lord. So you don't boast in yourself. Just boast about Jesus. Brag about Jesus. And then somebody says, well, what about you? Well, I deserve hell, but I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about Jesus. He's the Savior. You know, make it clear when you witness to people, I'm not saying I'm better than you. I'm not saying I deserve to go to heaven and you deserve to go to hell. I'm saying we both deserve to go to hell. But I trusted in Jesus and he is both willing and able to save. Have you trusted in Jesus? Okay? That's like the preaching of the gospel is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. And don't, don't quote me on that. I stole it from a preacher who stole it from a preacher who stole it from a preacher. Probably some guy in the 5th century said it, you know? And... um, um But we're just beggars telling other beggars where to find bread. The bread of life. The Lord Jesus Christ. Um, You know, but there's people who think... This is the Pharisees. When Jesus called the Pharisees hypocrites, we think, oh, they were doing all this evil stuff behind closed doors and stuff. No, he called them whitewashed tombs. So he was saying, outwardly, they were just. So outwardly... Through the eyes of man, they were the most righteous guys that you could see. Uh, I doubt he would have said that about the high priest back then, but Jesus said that about the Pharisees. Outwardly, they're clean. Outwardly, they were obeying God's laws. That's what Paul said when he was talking about who he was before he came to Christ. He said, to the law, blameless. Well, Paul said, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So he doesn't mean in the eyes of God, but he means in the eyes of man. Outwardly, Paul was blameless, the way he was obeying God's laws outwardly. Guess what? Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, unless your righteousness exceeds, surpasses that of the Pharisees and scribes, you have no place in my kingdom. And I think the most outwardly righteous guys who ever lived... With the Jewish rabbis of Jesus' day, the Pharisees. And that's not good enough. God demands obedience from the heart. You can't do that. So you trust in Jesus for salvation. His righteousness gets credited to your account. There's your victory passport into heaven. Okay? And uh, and so you trust in Jesus. You receive his gift of righteousness. At the same time, then the Holy Spirit indwells you, starts changing you from within, and so you're supposed to be becoming more like Jesus each and every day as God sanctifies you and sets you apart for his holy purposes. Okay, And so we are saved by God's grace alone, through faith alone, and Jesus alone. It's not of works that no one should boast. Well, Paul talked about... um, how, he's, how God saves us by grace through faith, not of ourselves or our works, it's a gift. So that's how God saves us. You know, if you haven't trusted in Jesus for salvation, let me just tell you right now, and if Bill Gates were sitting down here, I'd tell him, if you haven't trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Jesus of the Bible alone for salvation, you better wake up and smell the coffee. And if Bill Gates turned to me and said, who do you think you are? Talk to me like that. I just said, I'm, I'm a child of the king. I serve the crucified and risen Savior who happens to be God the Son. No offense, Bill, but uh, I think Jesus' resume... I'm trusting in that. You know, I think Jesus spoke about the Bill Gates of this world when he said, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? George Soros and Bill Gates, they're going to die with a lot of money. More money than I'll ever make. Would I change places with either one of them? No way. Why, did I find billions of dollars? No, I just found Jesus. Okay? I found my victory passport. I found my king and savior. Um, so who are we now? It doesn't feel like this. It got, you know, if I feel like a loser and God's word says I'm a work of art, well, then I'm a work of art. And, and, and keep in mind, Paul's not talking about modern art. Okay, He's talking about a real work of art. So Ephesians 2.10, this is who we are now. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. See, we were created in Adam already. We're sons and daughters of Adam, but we're fallen. Now we have to be in Christ. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Okay? So we are God's workmanship. Poema is the word in the Greek. Poema, we get our word poem from this. God's work of art. A poem is a beautiful work of art. Okay? Um, you might be battered and beaten. The world is, you know, when the world, I, I have to admit, when the world looks down on me, I start thinking, man, maybe I am a loser. Okay, that's the voice coming from the other side. Okay, um, we don't always feel like God's work of art, but if you're saved, if you've trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb who was slain, okay, the Lamb of God takes away the sins of the world, if you've trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, if you trust trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ alone for salvation, you are now already God's work of art. Now, he's not finished with you yet. Okay? And I'm glad about that. Not only when I, when I hang out with you, man, I'm glad God's not finished with him. But even when I'm alone and it's just me, it's like, man, I'm glad God's not finished with me. Okay? We got to, you know, we got to press on toward the the goal, the higher calling in Christ Jesus yesterday's victories are today's mediocrity. So we got to keep moving forward by the grace of God because we're God's work of art. Let, let God do the work that he wants to do in you. Uh, we're told that we're created in Christ Jesus. We're created in Adam, in the human race, uh, when we were conceived in the, the womb of our mothers. Okay? Um... But Paul's talking about here God's work of art created in Christ Jesus. By, by the way, there is a sense where every human being is God's work of art. There is a sense where the created universe is God's work of art. Okay? You look at the design, the specified complexity, the highly complex information found even in a single cell. You look at the complexities of the human body, the complexities of the universe, Okay, that's God's work of art. But that got distorted and corrupted. And so now we need to be born again through faith in Jesus and to become God's work of art in the fullest sense. Okay? And um, for we are his workmanship, God's poem, God's work of art, created in Christ Jesus. This is where Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Okay, now when I, when I look in the mirror, I see the old Phil Fernandez, only the old Phil Fernandez is getting them more wrinkles, more gray hair, the, the muscles are sagging. Okay, so the changes I see are not good changes. But in reality, if I'm walking with the Lord, the changes that are going on in Phil Fernandez are good changes. And lasting changes, uh, we just got to stop looking. We, gotta, we got to live by faith, by trusting God and his word, not by sight. And so when we look in the mirror, at best, we say, I look like the, the same guy I always was. At the worst, it's like, man, I look even worse than that 15-year-old kid growing up in New Jersey. Um, but if God's word is true and I believe it is, you're not who you used to be. Amen. You're no longer a slave to sin. You're a new creation in Christ. The old is gone. The old you is dead. Don't get this idea that when you battle temptation and sin, it's, it's like a, a good dog in a vicious fight with a vicious bad dog. No. When you sin... It's like the believer taking a dead dog on a leash for a walk around the block and you're just dragging it. When you bring up the old you, it's unnatural. Paul doesn't say, Look, you used to be, you know, just read Romans 6, 17, and 18. He doesn't say, You used to be slaves to sin, and now that you've trusted in Jesus, you're a slave to sin and a slave to righteousness. He says, Look, you used to be slaves to sin but now you're slaves to righteousness. Now that you believe you are a slave to righteousness, so you need to start acting that way. I need to start acting that way. And when I bring back the old Phil Fernandez who is dead, that is foolishness. Okay? That is unnatural. I need to be all that God called me to be through the power of the Holy Spirit, we're new creations in Christ. Why? What's the purpose for us being new creations in Christ? Created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works. Jesus doesn't say, "Look, I saved you. You're going to heaven now. Collect unemployment spiritually. You don't have to do anything. You can just kind of slime around." No. If, if that were the case, if God, if all God wanted to do was save you. That he would just snatch you up to heaven right then and there. Why did he leave you on earth? After Jesus saved you, why did he leave you on earth? For good works. You know, we often think, yeah, yeah I don't like hell, and I love heaven, and I want to go there someday. And so, yes, I signed on the dotted line, Okay? But the fact of the matter is, most of us don't even realize it, that God didn't call us to a picnic, he called us to a war. Okay? Um, When you trusted in Jesus for salvation, you enlisted in the most fierce battle, the most fierce warfare in the history of mankind, and that's the battle between the forces of evil and God, the battle between them, for the souls of mankind. And uh, if you trust in Jesus for salvation, you become God's work of art. Kind of like Kind Almost like God's trophies to show the world that the battle uh, has been won. You become new creations in Christ, created for good works. No one is saved by good works, but once a person is saved, he receives a redeemed nature and is now able, through the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit, now able to not sin. See, before we got saved, we weren't able to do anything but sin. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. John chapter 15 and verse 5. But now we're capable of obeying God from the heart, something the Pharisees could not do. Through the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit, we can obey God from the heart. That's why James could say in James... 2.26, 2.26, uh, for the wages, uh, in James 2.26, a uh, faith without works. It says the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Look at Romans 6. Romans 6, verses 5 to 7. Romans 6, 5 to 7, for if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, if we died with Jesus by trusting him for salvation, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, raised to new life, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, the old you is dead, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin." Then look at verses 17 and 18. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered, you accepted the gospel, you trusted in Jesus for salvation, and having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. look, Look, brothers and sisters, you're God's work of art. Stop listening to the world when they make fun of you, when they mock you, when they put you down, and just recognize you, you're, you're a work still in progress, but you are God's work of art, a new creation in Christ, created for good works. We're not supposed to be just hanging out. Okay? There's no retirement plan for Christian living. If you're, if you're prosperous enough to retire from earthly work, great. That gives you more time to, to work on your Christian living and your ministry for the Lord. But there's no retirement from Christian living. There's no vacations from Christian living. You know, I've actually known guys who would act like, well, I just want to take one day off from being a Christian. Let me tell you, you could do a lot of damage in one day. You don't take one day off. You don't even plan to take a minute or an hour off. The fact of the matter, we all do a little bit of slime in here and there. Okay? Um, But when you rest, even when you rest, you might think, well, I'm being lazy. I'm not serving Jesus. No. If you're resting and refreshing your body with good food, you should be regaining your strength so that you can get out there and be even more productive than if you tried to serve Jesus without rest. Uh, But God, we're new creations in Christ, created for good works. To do those spirit-led, spirit-initiated, spirit-empowered things that bring glory to God uh, and his kingdom. God has already cleared the path and he offers us guidance along the way. Talks about that in Psalm 23. The Lord is our shepherd. And um, so it's up to us to walk this path in God's power. So Christians do not do good works to get saved. We do good works because we are saved. Good works are not the cause of salvation. They are the result uh, of salvation. So we, in in conclusion, we are saved. I'm going to have John come up and lead us in the Lord's Supper. We get to re, if you, if you came in here and you're trusting in Jesus for salvation, you get the opportunity to recommit your life to the Lord and to confirm that you're trusting in Jesus alone for salvation, to pledge your allegiance to the Lord Jesus and his kingdom, to build his kingdom and, and, um, and not your own. If you came here and you're not saved, you can receive the Lord's Supper if you choose, if you say, you know what? for the first time in my life, I'm going to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ alone for salvation, then the best thing you can do right after coming to Christ is receiving the Lord's Supper. We're saved by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus alone, and we shouldn't boast in ourselves. God gets all the glory. By the way, that's four of the five solas that led to the Protestant Reformation. The first sola is sola scriptura. The Bible alone We trust the Bible alone for our beliefs and our behavior. Okay, But in this passage we actually have sola gratia. We're saved solely by grace. Sola fide. Solely through faith. And sola Christi. uh, Solely through Christ. And then God gets all the glory, glory. Sola gloria. Okay? We're saved by God's grace alone through faith alone and the true Jesus of the Bible alone. You know, when I came to Christ, it was not even a search for truth. At that point in my life, I didn't even care about truth. All I cared about was trying to find meaning. Why was I even here? What is human life about? And what I found, and again, this is not original either, um, what I found is that the, the true meaning of life is to personally know Christ. Christ. That means being known by Him, but to personally know Christ and to make Him known. Everything else is just window dressing. So I don't care if you're a carpenter and you take care of your family doing that, or an auto mechanic. You do it for the glory of God and you live to build God's kingdom and not your own. But you remember, you don't boast in yourself. You, if you're trusting Jesus for salvation, you are saved by God's grace alone. It's a free gift. You don't deserve it. You received God's saving grace through faith alone and the Lord Jesus alone. We're saved by God's grace alone, through faith alone and Jesus alone. Christians don't do good works to get saved. We do good works because we are saved, because we're God's work of art, God's poem. We're new creations in Christ, and we need to start acting that way. John.